Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Oscar, here with you as always. Just keep a track at home. This is episode 57. I'm going to dive a little deep for this one. It's going to tie into something we're going to talk about a little bit later. Episode 57, the Johan Santana episode, if you remember him. Uh, famous met through the only no-hitter up until maybe this past weekend. We'll get to that a little bit later. 134 pitches. Obviously, that was really the end of his career, realistically speaking. He wasn't really great after that. Um, but Johan Santana episode for me. I want to welcome in my co-host, Joel Bioqua. Jolan, what's up, dude? Always good to be here. I'm going to go with someone on the football side of things. Dwight Stevenson, center for the Dolphins, 1980s All-Decade team, and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1998. Got to rock with a fellow center. Absolutely. Rocking with the center, no surprise there. Now, you remember last week was our first episode back since uh, I've been back in town and uh, since I started working at ESPN just uh, over a little over eight, nine months ago, and we did a mock draft episode. Now, our mock drafts did not turn out pretty well. I think we predicted probably most of the players that were drafted. We didn't pick the correct order nor the right team, so that doesn't really help. Or round. Or round, but <laughs> in some cases, in Malik Willis' case, we did have him going sixth overall. Jolan, thanks for that pick. He ended up going 86th overall uh, to Tennessee, so just a hair bit, just a bit outside, as Bob Buecher would say in Major League. 80 picks off is better than nothing. That's I, that's fair. You could have been what two hundred and sixty picks off. Yep. Uh, I guess is you know or two hundred and sixty two picks off is probably the maximum. So, but uh, that was last week's show. It was a special show. Uh, it was good to be back, and it's great to continue to be back, Joel. And this week we're gonna get more into our sports talk. But first, we're gonna talk a little personal sports. Okay. Now, you and I have uh, joined in. Adult Kickball League, hosted by YMCA that I worked for about four years ago. Uh, we met some of the people that I worked with there, great people, and even some people that you knew, Joel, on as well. So it really was a small world, and it was a great event. It was a little chilly, a little windy on Thursday night. Uh, coincidentally, the first night of the NFL draft, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, Joel, on, uh, first night of kickball, it had to be, what, first time in years so, uh, that we played? I mean, what, what was it like to be out there, and, and what was it like? For me personally, I haven't played six, seven years, so it was a fun experience. It's one of those things when you go out there as a kid, it's so easy. It comes naturally. Kickball can be just a, something you do at recess, but as an adult, a little more strenuous. People can kick the ball a little farther, got to play a little more back in the infield. It's one of those things where it gets a lot more fun as you grow older if more people gave it a chance. Well, let's not forget, as a kid, you're not worried about tearing a hamstring. You're not worried about pulling a <laughs> quad. I mean, now you and I are doing stretches in the back. We're trying to do some voodoo stuff to make sure that we don't end up on the DL or have to get stretchered out of there. Because I don't know if there's a single person on site that could have stretched us out of there if we had fallen down or done something bad. So, you know, we got to be extra careful. But, uh, Joel, on just some stats from the game, I, I'll go for myself. I had a few, uh, couple put-outs in the first inning, three to be exact. All right, I had lacked some athleticism on a foul pop-up uh, in the first inning, and I believe in the second inning as well. Uh, definitely want to uh, increase that. Lacking some speed on the base paths as I was thrown out on a drop pop-up in the infield. Uh, not great, not a good look. But overall, Jolan, two for two on the night. Cannot complain, and I didn't pull or tear anything, so it was a good night for me. Myself included, I also went two for two. I did have one little bit of an error, if you will call it that. I dropped put out um, sometime in the early first, I believe. Um, but I also got told I have good base run running abilities for my ability to tag up from first to second. A couple YMCAers showing me some love. Absolutely, absolutely. And you did score the only run of the game for our team, and we lost five to one. Uh, we did get to meet our team. We all car. We all car. We are called the front deskers. Uh, which is uh, definitely an interesting name, and we're working with a bunch of people who work the front desk at the YMCA. And uh, like I said, Jolan, all that we ask for is continued health because uh, you could just know that this league's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to need to carry a little bit more of our weight with some older women, women that haven't really gotten out in the field in a while. So I think they're going to be relying on us a little more than we'd like to hope. But there's a long season. I know they'll turn a corner. We'll get a team going. Absolutely, we're, we're, we're you know you're like you're wearing four layers each. It's hard to move around every once in a while. But as the nights continue to go on, as the nights continue to get nicer, I expect some some from some fireworks from the Aradal boys. Some fireworks, I would say. I need uh, a couple home runs or some bad. <laughs> absolutely, and you know so sometimes we'll come in here. We'll have one game for you. Sometimes we'll have two games for you. Just really kind of depends on the week. But Joel, on that's our personal sports and. Uh, 
that's a great segue because that night, you know, it was funny. My friend that I worked with at the YMCA, he's like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? You want to come out afterwards? Like, let's go to the bar or something like that? Nope. We were on our way to MetLife Stadium because, uh, well, I'll let you tell the story, Joan. Oh, yeah. So I had gotten a text early Thursday morning. Now we had had the kickball plans for a little bit of then, so it was kind of a dilemma. I got in a text that I had some tickets available for the Giants draft party in MetLife Stadium. Immediately texted Ryan, hey, what can we do about this? And Ryan's plan was, let's go to kickball, go to the draft party after. Let's have ourselves a fun Thursday night, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah, and it was really cool. Part of the field was sectioned off uh, so that it was like a bar-type atmosphere. Uh, and then the other half obviously split, one side Giants, one side Jets. Uh, you got to go on the field and do some fun activities, cornhole. Uh, you know, they had the blow-up slides and stuff. We got a picture next to the Giant sign. You know, we got a picture next to the Eli Bobblehead. The Legacy Club was open, so we actually got to see, you know, the one team in New York that actually wins Super Bowls. We got to see those. That was cool, fun to look at. We got to, you know, see what an actual real quarterback locker looks like in Eli Mannings. So, uh, you know, it was, it was We're definitely... We're going to get the pitchforks on you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's... Uh, Listen, I tell you, the Jets are in a better spot than the Giants right now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was a lot of fun, Jolan. And again, we weren't there. We weren't there all night. We were there a couple hours. We watched the picks, and we get to go home. I think that's what made it such a good time. The Giants and Jets. We could just get into this a little bit. Home run picks in the first ten. So everybody there was having a good time. People were drinking. Families were there. I feel like the picks made that night a little more special. Couldn't imagine being there for like a Daniel Jones at six type of reaction. Oh, because I, 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 I would have I would have bought probably about seventy five dollars worth of beer, and you would have been driving home, my friend. That's that how that two beers for you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how that would have been going down. But Joel, now you know we talked about it. Let's get into the first. Let's get into the NFL draft. It was an exciting weekend. It was a great draft. A lot of moves. Let's start with the absolute beginning of it. What are your thoughts on Trayvon Walker one Jaguars? Is it a reach? Well, I told you, we talked about this off mic, we talked about it on mic, and, and there's a good rant at about 13.45 of the episode last week. I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of guys that just show out in the combine. He did not, and again, I know he's playing around other great players, so maybe he got masked a little bit in the combine, but I'm not, games are not played and won in shorts and spandex. It just has never happened in the league. So I don't know why Jacksonville decided to go in that direction. Let's stay on the Georgia side of the football right here. Sure. N'Kobe Dean, what makes you think he fell that far? And should teams be, or the Eagles specifically, should they be concerned about drafting him? And why did other teams pass? Well, the rumor is is that they passed on him due to his medicals. There's a pectoral injury uh, that will repair, reportedly require surgery at some point. Many believe it will be after his rookie year. He declined the surgery once. So I think that's interesting. You know, his knees have some wear and tear. There's been rumors about a groin injury. Um, but he goes, he's going to be playing in front of a monster defensive line. He's going to be well protected. And I don't think he has to come in and start right away. I think which is the best part about that whole scheme is he can come in and let him get his body right. And once he gets his body right, game over. Now a record five Georgia defenders went in that first round. But let's stick with the team that N'Kobe Dean did go with. How do you like the Eagles? Who are the draft winners of this, including the Eagles, obviously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Eagles made the splash on Thursday night acquiring A.J. Brown, the wide receiver from the Tennessee Titans, and paying him a four-year, $100 million contract. Public apology to Tony Capabianco. I'm sorry. The Giants did not win the draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, but again, we'll see. What, what does that $25 million a year, what is that – do to hamper the rest of the organization and the rest of the roster. Can the Eagles actually build a winner because they're going to be hampered money-wise by paying him? Yes. Do they have Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal? Yes, they do. Are they probably going to be looking for another rookie quarterback next year because I don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer? Yes, probably. So you you may get away with going being cheap at that position and getting away with it at the wide receiver position. But God forbid if Howie Roseman turns around and says, I want a, fr- I, I want a veteran quarterback. That's what I found. Or pay up for Jalen Hurts, you're you're out of money, bro. You're gonna run out of money. So here's what I found. Okay. So if Jalen Hurts is the real deal, they're in a big pickle. Now, if he's not, next year's quarterback class is loaded. So I think the Eagles, I want to say, are in a great. I don't want to say this, but they're in a great spot. If they get another rookie quarterback deal in next year, they're gonna be set up for a couple of years to make a splash in the playoffs and in the league entirely. Yeah, but it's gonna be hard, right? Like what? What does real deal mean? 
You know what I mean? Like two what, or three playoff wins every couple of years. Yeah, like, but it, you know what? What does he have to do to prove that? Win a playoff game this year? Does he have to win the division? Like I, I'm kind of curious if he, because that's the thing, Jalen. It it's not as easy an evaluation as Daniel Jones, who has just stunk up the world, and you know he ain't coming back next year. So you can already start planning to go cheap on quarterback next year. But Jalen Hurts has played just good enough. To be respectable, Got and the that's scary, last year. right? And that is scary when it comes to a salary cap perspective. Now, go also going back to Thursday, we did have the trade of uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown from the Ravens to the Arizona Cardinals. Another weapon for Kyler Murray, a guy he played uh, at Oklahoma with, uh, and has obviously a good connection. Lamar was very upset uh, that Hollywood Brown was gone. I just want to put one thing out there because everyone's saying, "Oh, why did the Cardinals trade pick twenty three for Brown when they could have traded maybe?" Something else for A.J. Brown. Here's the reason why. You have to pay him. Well, no, well, that's where I'm in a flux with. A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown both need somewhat of new deals. Obviously, A.J. Brown has a little bit higher ceiling. They have the same agent. <laughs> so what are the Cardinals doing? We will find out, but maybe yeah. they should have made a shot for A.J. Brown. But Mark Marquise Brown is not a $100 million receiver. And he reunites with Kyler, I guess. Right, that. right, right. And, and you pay $100 million for him. You already, you already have what? Probably close to 100 mil tied up in D Hop. You to pay 200 200 million dollars for your wide receivers. That's you're you're asking a lot. That 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 is a lot. And Kyler Murray's obviously going to need an extension soon. I feel like at some point the wide receiver contract ceiling has to go down. This year, one of the things with Christian Kirk making all that money, mm-hmm. but at some point, teams that are going to be viable to win every year aren't going to be splashing on one to two guys. Oh, hold on. Now, would there be another position in football that that has happened to? The running back? Oh, that's right. It happened to the running backs, too. And the ceiling never got this high. But guess what? Teams started saying, you know what? We don't need we don't need a diva receiver to win this thing. We can go win it with X, Y, and Z. You know, we, we can get this done with guys that aren't going to be a headache to us. Uh, not only, you know, maybe I'm not even talking in the locker room. I'm talking about a headache in the, in the paycheck department. So who else are some draft winners here? I know we got a couple local winners, but what do you think about Baltimore? Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, they had a pretty solid day, don't you think? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm never going to name the Eagles a winner of a draft because I, I would rather... I would rather eat a whole pizza and then run a mile. Like, I, I would rather puke than do that, but... Uh, I would say the Jets and Giants had good drafts. I don't. I think the Giants kind of waned a little bit uh, as the rounds went on. Obviously, we could talk about that at a different time. I thought the Jets draft was really, really good. I really liked their selections and their picks and their uh, their value selections. And so I would probably put the Jets too as my winner. And I've got the Ravens being the number one winner. I think the one question mark I had though was they took two tight ends in the later rounds, Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State, and Isaiah Likely out of, uh, I forget where he went to school, maybe it was Coastal Carolina or something like that. But uh, taking two tight ends when you have Mark Andrews uh, is kind of a, I guess if you're going to trade Marquise Brown, you're going to go three tight end sets. I'm, I, you know, I don't know what you're going to try to do. Maybe turn Charlie Kohler into a receiver or something. Now with the Jets, a lot of talk about them being the absolute winners just based on value and where they got their guys. Yeah. I have a question for you. Sure is what they drafted and what they're bringing into the table this year, is that good enough to do well in the AFC? I mean, AFC's loaded. Yeah, that, that's the hard part, right? And it's so it's going it, to, and I, and I can hear people are going to hate this answer, but it's going to come down to the play of Zach Wilson. And is he the guy? Now, I'm not saying if he has a bad year, do we ship him out to Chicago where his career will go to die? No, that's not what I'm saying. I, I would give him another year. But this is the time. They've added the weapons. They've spent the draft capital to get him enough weapons to be successful. If he's that guy, Jolan, they can win a bunch of football games this year. So there's a lot of question marks, too, about the trade-up for running back Brees Hall. Do you think now this diminishes Michael Carter's role in that offense? Do they go two back, or are they going to lean on the workhorse right now? I would imagine you go two back. Uh, that's one way to actually extend running back careers in the NFL. I know you know a lot of people don't care about them, so they don't really care how to extend them. But that is one way to do it. And I actually, I actually think uh, Brees Hall. That's a great part for him is to is to split those carries because he was a workhorse at Iowa State. 
He, I'm sure he had 400 touches or some ridiculous number like that. He, he is a guy I would split reps with and make sure he's as healthy as possible. And same thing with Michael Carter. As you continue to go through the year, you want those guys as healthy as possible with a good one-two punch and a great offensive line. I think they've really assembled a good bunch. We'll stay on Jets for one more question. Sure. Do you think now this solidifies Beckton into somewhat of a starting offensive spot? Or is it still the jury still out on him? Well, he better. He better be a starter. If he's healthy, he'll be a starter. So they did pass up on tackle um, at 4 and 10? Yeah. A little bit. And there's there's all this rumor mills going around about is Beckton going to move from left to right um, and Fant's going to go from right to left. I don't really buy it. I'd keep Beckton at left. I don't really care that George Fant feels like he's a more natural left tackle. I really don't care. But if Beckton can stay healthy, they're going to be really, really good in, in terms of their offensive line. If he's hurt again, that leaves a giant gaping hole. And I don't say that because he's six seven three, you know, 340. I say that because that's a really important position amongst your offensive line. Another one more question, we'll stay in the AFC. Yep. The Pittsburgh Steelers going with the hometown guy, Kenny Pickett, at pick 20. Is he an instant starter? Do they see instant success with Kenny Pickett if he were to start? Well, that's a great question. And, and I'm interested to see Kenny Pickett's career because – uh, you know, how did Teddy Bridgewater do, you know, real well with the Teddy two gloves? You know, now it's Kenny two gloves. And, you know, my only question is, and it always has been this, I don't mind a guy wearing two gloves, but what happens when it rains, right? I don't care how much sticky stuff is on there. When it rains, that ball is going to be slippery, okay? And he plays in Pittsburgh. They're going to go play in Cleveland every year. They're going to go play in Baltimore every year. They're going to go play in Cincinnati every year, let alone Pittsburgh. The weather there isn't always great. So I want to see how he deals with adversity with that. And I would imagine, Joel, on it's much like any first-round pick you take. Um, maybe not. Maybe a top-10 pick plays earlier than him. Uh, if he Like if he was the ninth overall pick or the sixth, like Daniel Jones, he would play faster, I would imagine. So maybe he gets to sit for a while. Uh, maybe they see what Mitch has you know, left in his arsenal. Maybe Mitch gets hurt, you know, unfortunately, and, and, and then Kenny's got to step in. But you're going to see Kenny Pickett this year. As if you're a Steeler fan, I got to talk to our good friend Dr. Prisbolinski from the high school uh, because he's a big Steeler fan, and I want to get his analysis and see what see what he's thinking about Kenny Two Gloves. But uh, I think it's great. I'm always a fan, Joan. You know this of guys staying in their hometown, home area. Uh, I was happy Aiden Hutchinson went to Detroit. He's a Michigan guy through and through, and now he's going to go be a hometown hero uh, for that city and that state, and and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and. So for Kenny Pickett, he'll play this year, but I I don't really buy. I don't think there's too high of a ceiling on him. I think he could just be good. So we've gotten to the good. We've gotten to the meh. Let's get into the ugly here. Who do you yeah. think lost round one, two, day three of the draft? Yeah, I mean I think New England sticks out as the biggest loser. And you know again I know it's always in Bill we trust and Bill has a plan and yada yada yada. And he took two running backs, you know, late the other day. And I'm and I'm just. I'm just at the point where it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. They have like four or five running backs on their roster already. What's the point in taking two more? And they took an offensive lineman in the first round that many thought could get to the third round, the back, you know, Cole the front Strange. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole Strange. They, they thought you could get to the front end of the third round, and uh, they took him in the first round. So little, little head-scratching moments there from New England. So all I hear from New England fans right now is, oh, just trust what Bill's doing. But historically speaking, over the past couple of years, the Patriots have missed on all their picks. Is this their time on the downslide right now? Is the AFC yeah. moving in a direction away from them? I do believe. I do believe so. I do believe so. I, I do. Be- I do that. Do believe that to be true. And we've just seen it. The recent success has not been there. All right. Final two questions on the um, NFL draft. Early predictions for offensive rookie of the year. And then defensive rookie of the year. Ooh, offensive rookie of the year. A couple quarterbacks later around, I might get it. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how much play. Well, I mean, you're not going to get a guy like Malik Willis isn't going to play. I doubt Matt Corral plays a ton. Um, Desmond Ritter has a pretty good situation in Atlanta. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But he's a later round pick, so he's not going to. There's no real pressure for him to start this year. Um, Offensive rookie of the year. I would love to go with an offensive lineman just because that's that's my forte. Unfortunately, we can't do that because they'll never give it to him. Um, I'm going to go with rookie offensive rookie of the year. I think it's one of the Ohio State receivers. I think it's either Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. And if you're going to ask me which, if 
back against the wall. Got to pick one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson can win offensive rookie of the year. Um, I think he's in a I think he's in a better position, and we'll see. I think if Zach Wilson can take that next step, which you know I guess if I'm saying Garrett Wilson's gonna win offensive rookie of the year, I think Zach Wilson's gonna have a pretty darn good year, and so that's that and that's the key to make that engine go. So. Uh, he'll be offensive rookie of the year. Let me throw in my two cents. I got a couple guys here. Sure. So it's just based on where they went, not okay. how high they were drafted. Yep. I really like James Cook to the Bills. I okay. just feel like with the, the right amount of workload. Is he going to get the workload to be offensive rookie of the year? That's the big though? question. And then I know a guy who's going to be stepping into a huge role. Christian Watson is now, Green Bay is now perceived wide receiver one. I'm going to put my chips on him. That's fair. It's a, He went from green and yellow in college to green and yellow in the NFL. It's pretty good. You don't get much better than that. I, I could see that. And, you know, I don't disagree with, you know, I, I may disagree with James Cook. I, I think I just don't think he's going to get the workload. They're going to throw the ball a lot. But uh, but I like those two names. Defensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year. A little bit year. harder. A lot of good Ooh. talent. Give me, mm, I can't be can't be hometown biased twice in a row. Um yeah, that's tough. Oh, boy. Give me... Mm, this is hard. This is really tough. I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton oh, from the Ravens. I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton. He's going to have an opportunity to play alongside uh, Marcus Williams and that whole secondary that's coming back. They have a chance to be the best secondary in the league. And if they're the best secondary in the league, whether he's playing well or not, it's going to boost his chances automatically. And uh, I think Kyle Hamilton walks away with Defensive Rookie of the Year. I think I'm going Hutchinson. I think the chance to star on a defense like they have is tenfold. I feel like Aiden Hutchinson can stand out, can get the sacks, get the numbers, and then I think he's just going to ride with it. Hometown guy, puts on for Detroit. Put it on for my city, on for my city. So, yeah, we'll see, man. It's going to be a, it's a fun, right? It's all done now, and it's just we're waiting until – Training camp and then the real season to find out whether these guys can play or not. Now let's go from a preseason of one sport to the postseason of another. Ooh. We got playoff basketball and round one is now officially over. Let's get into it. Let's get into some round one matchups. What shocked you? What didn't shock you? Nets. Oh, huh? what a disaster, dude. And and for Kyrie Irving to sit up there after the series. By the way, they got swept. And I don't know a top, you know, I. You know, I can't, and I said this on my radio show this week, I, these are not, the Celtics are good. They're a great team. They're, they play great defense, great offense. They are not the 80s Celtics, okay? And when you, if you sit there and you tell me Kevin Durant is a top 10 player in the world, or top 10 player in the world all time, he's the, and if you say he's the best player on the planet, you're going to tell me he can't go get one win, right? Oh, well, what about LeBron in the finals against the Warriors? Yeah, yeah, LeBron versus four Hall of Famers, right? We're talking about an all-time great team. This Celtics team is great. They play great defense. They play hard. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown starting to come into their own. Marcus Smart's been really good. But you got to be kidding me. And you have Kyrie Irving. You can't get one game off of this team. Then Kyrie's got the huevos to sit up there and say, well, we had a hard time gelling together this season. Yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why. I want. I don't know. Was it was it the fact that you and James Harden couldn't get along? Was it the fact that you missed half the games all year long? Was it a the fact that you're a distraction everywhere you go? Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Then you, that's even before you get to Ben Simmons, Joel. It, what a mess. So Kyrie Irving has notoriously said he did not need Steve Nash as a coach. Are you putting any of the blame on Steve Nash? No, I'm not, because him and Kevin Durant said, I don't need a coach. We don't need a coach. So guess what? Steve Nash ain't going to coach like a coach. He he is Steve Nash had zero, zero coaching experience. Okay, so what exactly were we to expect out of Steve Nash? You guys told us you didn't need a coach. And you know what? Kevin Durant signed off on it, and guess what? The front office basically signed off on it by signing a guy like Steve Nash. Do you think Ben Simmons is the missing piece here, or if you're the Nets GM, Sean Marks, I believe, do you tear it down? No, do you ben, keep KD and you tear it down? Ben Simmons is missing a piece. I don't know if he's the missing piece. <laughs> Back right All right, listen, like, it, Ben Simmons has got to be, it, dude, he's, he pulled off one of the greatest heists in basketball history. 
I mean, the dude is the dude literally just got paid for an entire year and didn't play an ounce of basketball. Okay, he has not been okay in a year apparently. His back is flared up from his anxiety, and you know what? But this is see, I get it. Like I'm cool. If if you want to say that. I, I'm not telling you it doesn't happen. I'm not telling you medically medically speaking that it's not true. But what I am telling you is, is that it's extremely sketchy when you say, I'm going to play in game four, then your team loses to go down 0-3, and all of a sudden, for the first time in a month, you've now woken up with back soreness. That bothers me, especially as an athlete who's dealt with injury for most, if not 95% of his career and later part of career. I don't get it. I don't buy it. And they basically traded James Harden away for Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Great. Thanks. Philly will take that all day, every day. Do you think this hurts Ben Simmons from an NBA contractual standpoint? He now hasn't played at all this year. Right. He has a lot of offensive problems. Yeah, he could bring something defensively. But what if he's not getting onto the floor? Does Ben Simmons end up on the Nets team next year? If not, where? I, I, dude, I, I don't know because the problem, well, no, the problem is he's tied up for another three years. So he's okay. contractually and, there. And he's a max guy. I, first of all, I would have never given him a max deal. I don't really, I don't really care. First of all, when you look at Philly, right, they had a big four. It was Joel, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons. They somehow out of that bunch kicked Jimmy Butler to the curb. How stupid did they look? Okay. Because I would have kicked Ben Simmons to the curb and said, adios, pal. You are the most limited player out of these four, get out of town. Which is crazy because they did it with faults. They yeah. wasted a number one pick and they moved off and him they moved in, off. in a different direction. Why did they keep Ben Simmons? I, I don't know. I don't know, but the Nets, the Nets this season, Jolan, and I said it on my radio show and I'll say it again. It was a it was a disaster. It was a failure of epic proportions. It was a mess and it was a self created Man-made disaster. Let's stay in the East in another first-round matchup. The Bucks advanced, obviously. Yep. Miami advanced. Let's go to the Sixers, because even though they advanced, it's a tough-fought victory. Joel Embiid, orbital fracture around his right eye, I believe. He has a concussion protocol, which means he's missing at least three games of this Miami series. Yep. Does Philly have enough in the tank without Embiid to advance here? Well, I hate to jump all over Doc Rivers, right? Because he finally won a series. He was up three games to whatever. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Sorry, Doc. I don't really care how mad you get at the media. Um, but, Doc, why was he in in a 20-point game? 26-point, I believe. 26-point game with three minutes left? Why is Joel Embiid in the game? Answer me that question. In baseball, now it makes sense, right? Because there is no tie... Like the tiebreakers at the end of the year are going to come down to run differential, so it makes sense. You got to fight for every run, keep your guys out there, do what you have to do. Basketball, you're up 26 with three minutes left. You can't hold that lead. What is he doing in the game? And I know he caught a ball from Pascal Siakam. I couldn't really tell if it was much of anything, but I mean, why is he in the game? I don't get it. Doc, give me a call. Why? Why is he in the game? So, let's stay in the East real quick. Our second round matchups we'll make predictions for before getting into the West round one. Um, matchup one is now the Celtics versus the Bucks. Who do you got there? Yeah, this is, t- this is tough. I'll take the Celtics uh, for the simple fact that Chris Middleton's not there. Uh, I know Giannis is going to be unstoppable. He's going to get his, and, and the Celtics are going to do whatever they can to stop him Which or at least lot. slow him down. Good defense. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, it's, it's not... Like I said, it's just slow him down, not stop him. Uh, he's going to get his at some point. But I think the loss of Chris Middleton is going to play huge in this series. And Miami Sixers, no Embiid. Who do you think? Give me Miami. Just guys that are mentally tougher. Uh, even if Philly goes up 3-1 in this series, I'm not actually concerned at all. Let's move to the West in round one. Chris Paul closes out the series on a 100-100 and 100-night shooting on 14 shots. Or is this Suns team good enough to win? Yeah, I mean, heck, he even went 15 for 15. He caught Jose Alvarado with an elbow to the face. Guy went 15 for 15 on that night. Um, but, no, hey, listen, this Suns team is led by Chris Paul, who many believe is a top-five point guard in NBA history. And the one thing missing from his resume is a title. I'll tell you this. I think, and Devin Booker obviously was out with the hamstring injury. They need Devin Booker back in the worst way. Okay, if they want to win a title, they need Devin Booker back. And honestly, I believe if they want to beat the Mavs, they need Devin Booker back. Okay, that it, it's that simple in my opinion. They need Devin Booker back. And if they get him back, 
I think they're they're in a terrific, terrific spot. So that basically rounds right into yep. your first prediction of the West. Let's stay in the round one real quick though. Do you think it's concern or does it raise any concern that the Memphis Grizzlies, a two seed, had taken down the Minnesota Timberwolves, a seven seed, and they're acting like they just won game seven of the NBA finals. You got guys gritting on the logo. You have Pat Bevin won the game five or whatever. He was jumping on the table from Minnesota. Do you think guys are doing this too much for show? And does it affect the product of the NBA and what they're trying to um, do as a team, if you will? Well, it's interesting when you look at it mentally, right? Because we've we've locked into so much of this, oh my God, if you don't win a title, your season's a disaster, it's a mess, it's a failure, it's you need to blow up the franchise, you need to, you know, set fire to your stadium, whatever. That's not the case. Getting to the postseason is hard. Playing through the playing games is hard. Being the second seed in the West is hard, okay, especially when you've got a guy that's borderline superstar in, in John Moran. I think he's taking the leap this year um, to be a bona fide superstar. Um, I'd love to see him do it, obviously, more than just this year. I want to see him stay healthier a little bit more. I don't think he should be missing 22 games a year. But, you know, these these teams, and if a lot of it feeds off of Pat Bev's smack talk, okay, which I love. And you know this, Jolan, if you win, I don't care what you do. Okay, because I'm a believer that you win. It's hard to win in the NBA. It's hard to win in the postseason. And let's be realistic. They're going to go play the Warriors. Like, you might as well celebrate it now while you can instead of when you're down 30 in the third quarter trying to chase Steph Curry around the three-point line. So I think, you know, let these guys do it. Let, let them have fun. I, I'm not I, – I love the pettiness. You know, I, I, don't, I don't like when it gets taken to certain levels. Like, I think Pat Bev goes way above sometimes – but uh, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind it. So it's, you had answered this qu- question last week, actually, yeah. on your on-air show. Do you think this Warriors team is as good as their peak 15-18 to 18 run, if you will? I do. I do. And, and I would even go 2015 and 2016. I wouldn't count the Durant years just because it was just so overwhelmingly unfair. Like, uh, But I do think back to those teams having the three main guys, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and then having a bunch of role players support them and Jordan Poole, who looks like he's going to be a star. You know, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a star. He's, you know, they're saying he's going to be the third Splash Brother, uh, which is pretty, pretty nifty and pretty cool. And they just got a bunch of guys that play together, and they play the brand of basketball that they want. They're as dangerous as anybody. And in my opinion, if they're healthy, I I don't see why they can't win a title this year. So let's predict um, next matchup. Yeah. Warriors-Memphis, who you got? Yeah, give me the Warriors. Sorry, Ja. Go gritty at home. You know, you and your dad can go gritty in the in the living room for the NBA Finals. I, I Morant, yeah, awesome. I just and by the way, that is really cool. Him and him and Carl Anthony Towns' father have been kind of going back and back and forth and having some fun with it. I love to see that. By the way, it was really cool to see. But uh, I don't think Del Curry will be messing around with John Morant's dad. So uh, I I'll take the Warriors in this one. That basically wraps up what the NBA has going on until obviously draft time. But we talked about the bad side of New York. Let's talk about the good side of New York, the MLB. The Knicks? Oh, oh, oh the okay. Knicks. Yeah, yeah. Lord. No, no, not definitely Let's get into not a little baseball. Yeah, let's talk a little baseball, right, Joel? On the, the center of the baseball universe is in New York City. You've got the Yankees around a seven-game win streak. They are finally starting to hit. The termites have come out of the wooden bats. They are starting to hit the baseball knew it would come. out of the park at an alarming rate. But again, Jolan, this is going to be where it gets. The nitty-gritty, the dog days of August, the dog days of July, when they can't hit home runs all the time, what is that offense going to look like? Because right now, it's a well-oiled machine. Everybody and their mothers hit the ball out of the ballpark. What happens when that stops? And mind you, the Yankees are in a super tough division. The Blue Jays have 14 wins. Yep. Rays got 12 already. Red Sox, they're a little bit under 500, but they'll be battling, obviously, Yikes. toward the end of the end of the year. What do the Yankees need right now to separate themselves from the rest of their division? It's well, going to be hard. They need to, they need to continue to play winning baseball. They need, first of all, the fact that Nestor Cortez is their ace, and, they, you know, they never officially announced that. But, like, everybody can see it. That has to change. Garrett Cole pitched well last night. He has to be better. You pay the guy $300 million to be great, and he's been anything less. If anything, he's just been an excuse maker, okay? Listen, I, I don't have my best pitcher, but not having my best pitcher versus having my best pitcher go out there and stink up the joint and make excuses, I don't know. I'd rather my guy be shelved a little bit, all right? But, you know, 
I Garrett Cole has to return to be that ace, and they got to continue to play small ball, Joel. And they have to continue to win with games with hitting RBI singles and RBI doubles, sack flies, squeeze bunts, suicide squeeze bunts, whatever. They got to win games like that to prove to me that they're not just a home run hitting offense. I still think they're home run heavy, so they still got to find some bats in that lineup or maybe on the trade market. Let's stay in the AL right now from yep. east to west coast. Angels right now lead the division with 14 wins, 8 losses. But a couple of teams are only two and a half games back. The Mariners, Astros, and then the Athletics are 3.5. Do the Angels have enough of a roster this year to finally make that postseason push with Trout? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see, right? I think it, it all it all will, and it depends every year, it is going to be the health of Mike Trout. They have the roster. They have, uh, I forget what the guy's first name is. His last name's Ward. He's been unbelievable so far this year for them. But him, Otani, and Trout, they've just been ridiculous so Taylor far. Ward. Taylor Ward. There you go. So Taylor Ward, Shohei Otani, and Mike Trout have just been a dynamic 1-2-3 punch. And if they can stay healthy, they'll be fine. They'll, they are deep enough to make a postseason run. If Trout gets hurt, or God forbid Otani's arm starts going, they're in, they're in real trouble. Okay, they, they are that fragile of an organization. They are not that deep. But again, Joel, on a lot of teams, if you lose your best guy, that's it. So they need some bullpen help too, much like our Mets. But uh, Syndergaard's out there. He's pitching really well for them. Uh, so that's a you know a New York Met tie. So uh, we'll see. I think they can make the deep postseason run. Let's stay in the West. We'll move conferences right now. NL West right now has four teams above 500. One team only two games under 500. The Giants are in first place. The Dodgers are in second. Padres technically third, and the Rockies are in fourth with about 12 and nine record. Is this team the best division in baseball right now? Who wins it? It is the best division in baseball right now. I would imagine the Rockies fall off. The Diamondbacks are they're okay right now. I don't imagine that they're they're around much long. They played the Mets twice though. Have a tough half this first half of the schedule. Yeah, they did. But like I said, I think they'll come back to where they belong. And I, I, the same thing with the Rockies. But I I think it could be a three dog race the whole year uh, between the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. And I, I, I have a hard time not picking the Dodgers to win that division. That roster up and down is exceptional. It is absolutely exceptional. So uh, I know the Giants beat them out last year, but I have a hard time believing the Dodgers won't win the division. Let's stay on the Dodgers real quick because they just have a major announcement with suspensions in the MLB. What happened over there on the West Coast and the former Dodger player? That is correct, and that is Trevor Bauer has been suspended, the pitcher who if he had just followed through on his word, actually would have been a Met. So how's that doing? Uh, suspended 324 games, two seasons basically, but 324 games sounds cooler. Uh, overtakes A-Rod for the most consecutive game suspension, obviously outside of Pete Rose's life ban. Um, but, you know, uh, so he is going to be away from the game for a long time. It is not retroactive to the 99 games that he has missed already, so those do not count. He will be out until, I believe it's April of 2024, and I believe he is he is appealing. It believes he's going to win. I believe his suspension will not start until that appeal ruling is handed down. So if they uphold it, it is two seasons from that moment, which will take him right to the end of his contract. Do you think now that Bauer has any chance of returning to the MLB? And why was the MLB allowed to suspend Bauer even though he was proven innocent civilly? Well, so there's been rumors of a new accuser coming out. Um, and Major League Baseball has done this investigation over a year now. I believe, and, and this is, again, like I don't think I don't think organizations just like go, oh, hmm, oh this guy 150, this guy 300. No, no, like I feel like this was a very purposeful, a purposeful suspension, and it feels like Major League Baseball has access to things that we do not as a public society, and so they have information that I believe led them to this decision, and you know I, it, it's just and it just because Joe it wasn't deemed illegal by the courts doesn't mean it doesn't violate the sexual misconduct. Uh, that that is agreed upon by all the players. And yeah, I agree totally. Uh, even Zach Cox said it on your morning show, if his teammates don't want anything to do with him, clearly there's something. That's gonna be the hardest in part. The water, at least in the water. But that's gonna be the hardest part, right? So he could even even if he appealed this, and they said, oh yeah, you win your appeal, zero gains. Do his teammates want him back in the locker room? And if they don't want him there, he's not gonna be there. I can tell you that much. It's it's just that simple. And for all you listening at home, if you're wondering why the government can find him innocent and the MLB can find him guilty, it's because the MLB doesn't follow the same rules. 
Some evidence doesn't get always brought up. MLB did their own investigation. Clearly, there was some wrongdoing somewhere. I actually trust the MLB on this, even though they miss a lot of it. But this is a, a positive step in the right direction. And I think Bauer's probably done. Well, I don't think he gets and, back to baseball. And we also know the courts aren't always perfect. There's legal ways to obtain evidence, right? Like, it, you know, even if you illegally obtain it, it's still evidence. You know what I mean? So th- there are some things that are technicalities in the judiciary system in this country that, you know, just play out to make it innocent, right? Like, you know, for example, and, and you know, I hate to use this example, but technically Aaron Hernandez is a free man. Aaron Hernandez, because he died during his acquittal process, is technically never a murderer. So, you know what I mean? It's it's stuff like that. There's technicalities in the legal system. So this actually is a good segue into what I want to ask you. Sure. We'll stay on baseball right after this. Sure. Do you think the MLB here stepped up to the plate because of how bad the NFL missed with the Watson scenario? Do you think Manfred saw an opportunity here to really stick it to the public like, hey, we are not allowing this even though a rival league is doing this? Yeah, it's really weird. I've never seen a two-year suspension for a guy... You tell you, I mean, you look at guys that even have, have taken steroids. Now, I'm, I'm not saying steroids are on the same level as abusing women because they're not. not That's at not all. not even close. There's even child abuse allegations against men. Right. So I, you know, I I don't know if I'm not sure I'm willing to give Manfred the credit. Is this a Rob Manfred get I, back? At I'm not. I'm not ready to give him all the credit, but I do believe uh, they made the decision, and I I would be, I would be naive, to think that they don't at least hear the noise. From from other sports leagues in a situation like Deshaun Watson. So let's stay in the NL. We go from the West, all the Dodgers commotion. Let's go to the East again because the Central, the Central's not really doing anything crazy except the Cardinals. Cardinals and Mets had a showing. I believe it's been 19 pitcher, or nineteen pitches have hit a Met throughout this course of the year already. Bench is cleared a little bit. What do you think? Are the baseballs not good? What are you hearing? What's going on there? Yeah, so uh, I'll provide the backstory to that. So the Mets have been hit 19 times this year. The next closest team has been hit 11. Uh, the Mets have been hit in the head, I believe it's four times already. And what happened on Thursday afternoon uh, was, uh, what's his name? J.D. Davis was struck with a pitch on the outside bone part of his ankle. Okay, so not a pleasant spot. I was hit on the inside bone of my ankle once. And uh, that that's just, that is not... I'm almost positive he immediately went to the locker room. He did immediately go to the locker room. So you knew this, it was time. It was it, it was time for somebody. And so who's com- who comes up to the next, uh, who comes up first for the Cardinals? That would be none other than Nolan Arenado, one of the best third basemen in the league. And uh, uh, what's his name? Yon Lopez. Yon Lopez. Uh, first day with the Mets, actually. Yeah, first, first appearance. Just got rescinded down. Yeah, he did. First appearance with the Mets. Throws up and into Arenado. Arenado takes exception to it. Pitch wasn't really close. Uh, Arenado gets pissed off. Then he starts, you know, inciting that the bench is clear. And then they go at it. And then Pete Alonso gets dragged down by the first base coach or bench coach, whatever his name is. I don't really care. Um, and the bench is clear. And, you know, you heard it on the telecast from Gary, Keith, and Ron. It was only a matter of time. Because, again, if Major League Baseball doesn't want to step in and help the Mets, they the Mets are going to take matters into their own hands. Especially, it's just going to happen. Especially with Buck Shaw leading the Absolutely, charge. and we've seen it all year long. So, again, and the Cardinals come to City Field. And, you know, their reaction was kind of, Arenado was like, I kind of expected it, so then why did you incite a benches clearing then if you expect it to happen. You what about the Cardinals bomb. manager? The manager play the man you would have you would have thought that was Buck Showalter speaking. <laughs> like he was like, oh my God, somebody could have gotten seriously hurt. Yeah, yeah, bro. And you had uh Chris Bassett came out and was talking about the baseballs, Joel on said Major League Baseball's got to do something about it. And uh Mikolas, who had pitched well against the Mets from St. Louis, came out and said, Well, it's not the baseballs, you have to take accountability for your own actions. So did you just call out your own guys? Because your guys are the ones that are hitting the Mets. You guys are the ones hitting the Mets. Let's let's stay on the Mets really here because how do they respond? Grady Sears versus the Cardinals. What happened this past weekend? Oh, the well, they come off Friday night. They return to their back and black jerseys, right? They look pretty cool. They look snazzy. Uh, actually, I believe that was Wednesday the incident happened. I believe they had the off day Thursday. Came back to City Field and they pitch a combined no-hitter. 
Uh, and it was the second no-hitter in franchise history. Connection to Johan Santana, who threw the first one in career in uh, in franchise history. Uh, many believe that there was uh, some controversy surrounding that one. We won't get into that. 159 pitches, Jolan, five pitchers. Uh, McGill was excellent once again. He's been great all year long in filling in that ace role that Jacob DeGrom has left. Jacob looks like we've got good news on his MRI. It looks like he's going to be able to start strengthening and loading his arm again, which mean may, which might mean throwing here in a couple weeks. That's great news. But, yeah, the combined no-hitter, it was a great night at City Field, and, Jolan, you can't ask for much more. Now, we I just talked to Mr. Reardon about this, some guy we yeah. had done a late cleanup with this morning. Do you think it's more indicting on the Phillies, even though they won the next game, or is this Mets pitching staff that good? Well, I... I don't know. I, I thought it was – I see, for me, it's an impressive performance because you had guys come out of the pen like Jolie Rodriguez and guys that hadn't really been great all year. But you had a guy like Drew Smith came out who's been electric all year long, okay, and you had a guy like Seth Lugo who's starting – it looks like he's starting to find it. And Edwin Diaz was as sharp in that ninth inning. I want you – I want every Met fan – you know, you can be a baseball fan too – Go back and watch that ninth inning from Edwin Diaz. That was as crisp a ninth inning as I've seen Edwin Diaz pitch in a long time. The ninth inning wasn't any slouches either. I'm pretty sure Bryce Harbour. It was the middle of the lineup. Yep. Yeah, so he was the middle of the lineup. Basketball has got guys to miss. It was a master class in that bottom ninth. Absolutely. I agree completely. Do you think the Mets have enough of, of a team, rather, to win this whole division, or do you think they fall off like previous Mets teams have done? I think the Mets right now have enough. And I think if you can get Jacob DeGrom back healthy, which, again, I know is a huge question mark, and it's a question every Met fan at every corner of every subway corner in New York, uh, you know, sitting outside the stadium is asking. If you get Jacob DeGrom back, I think this team can run away with this division. I really do. I think they can run away and hide. And I think that's, that is the value that they have in their offseason additions, right? Like Max Scherzer, who, who is going to pitch against the Phillies tonight, that's a dog right there. Like, yeah, I love that guy. That guy will go out there and, you know, they I, I forget what show joked about it. They said, I think if there was a baseball game at 2 a.m. and you gave Max Scherzer the ball, he'd probably throw two, he'd probably throw a two-hitter. You know, like that's just the kind of competitor Max Scherzer is, and I'm happy he's on my team well, and not against us People anymore. forget this, but Max Scherzer is a psycho. He's he is the guy who talked to himself. He had problems as a rookie and second-year guy where he just – yell at himself or his coaches just because he's that intense. So at 38 years old, to see that, it's definitely a bonus for what we got going on in New York. And you got to love it. And Jolan, you know, that's going to wrap up baseball. Obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot to continue to go on. Just some quick notes. I know we, we hinted at talking about a little Ivy League lacrosse. Five-way tie, Jolan, for first place, headed into the last game of the regular season. What an absolute mess. Three teams share the Ivy League title, which is just bananas. I believe it's Brown, Cornell, and Yale. All share it, and then you know they go into the Ivory League tournament next week. Jane uh, uh, Jordan Addison. Now, who is Jordan Addison? He won the award for best receiver in the country last year. Over a hundred catches, over fifteen hundred yards from Pitt. Played with Kenny Pickett last year. Was the best receiver. Uh, won the award for best receiver in the country. Is going to transfer to USC due to an NIL agreement. Now this is something we hadn't seen, right? We've Uncharted. seen guys, we've seen guys commit and then get their big money deals when they're there. We have not got, we have not seen guys transfer because of a direct nil. And Jolan, that is, that is in part because there were no rules and no regulations when you went into this. It is an open and free market, and these are some of the nasty stuff you run into. Well, even at the the commitment level, you have some teams or some players rather verbally committing to some schools. And then an NIL deal comes along and they'll rescind their commitment. Here's Uncharted Territories because this was a guy attending the program yep. who now has almost got like a new contract offer in free agency. Basically. It's like college kids are now being treated like pros. Sorry, could you say that? Being treated like pros. And honestly, with Justin Ross, the Nakeep Deans, the David Ajobas of the world, yeah. you almost want them to get their money early just in case something happens. And honestly, I wonder if you know this keeps guys in school longer. I talked about this in college basketball. I wonder if it keeps guys in school longer because obviously the big thing was I got to go after one year because I got to pay I got to pay my mama. I got to 
you know, get her a house and make sure my family's taken care of. Which we understand. Which we understand completely. But now your families can be taken care of while you're getting an education, while you're playing college sports. Over the table, not under the table. Right, 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 right. So, but that is something to keep an eye on, Joel, on NIL. It's going to get nasty. It's going to be brutal out there. And honestly, it's not, but that's the crazy part too. He was attending the university. He played spring ball with all these, with all his buddies. And now just this NIL deal and see adios. And he's going to play in USC's opener, I'm sure. Do you think this is good for the small schools of the world or the USC's in LA? The, let's just say, the Ivy League schools where the education's phenomenal, the, the SEC where the football's phenomenal. Do you think these locations or these schools, because of their reputations, because of their alumni, have an advantage over some of these other guys? Oh, they like, do. Even a Wesleyan. I know Bill's a guy, you're a guy, but like, Field Dates is a guy. But does Wesleyan have that kind of bag that Alabama does? No, and I you don't see NIL a lot, you know, when you go to like Division Two and Division Three. It's a, it's obviously made its way a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, if you look at this situation, you went from Pitt to USC. It's exactly what people feared is that the small school guy isn't going to go to the small school anymore because the big school can offer him the most amount of money. And, and, the boosters. And, and that's, again, like that is, that is, and Mark, we, we didn't even talk about this, Mark Emmert stepping down in June of 2023. Thank you, good riddance, adios, tired of you. He is the he's, poster child for... He's the NCAA president? That is correct. So he will be stepping down next June. Uh, we wish him the best in retirement. But Joel, on... The NIL and college sports is going to be something we're going to be talking about a lot on this podcast moving forward. And, uh, well, that is just about out of time for today. The Joe line, that was a lot of fun, and, and it's a good blast to get back in here and just talk sports. And, uh, Joe line, you can find me, uh, or, well, you already follow me, so our listeners can follow me on Instagram or Twitter, at Goose on the Mic, same, same handle for both. And, uh, Joe line, where might the people be able to find you? And the podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or Instagram at airitout.podcast. You can follow me personally on Instagram or Twitter at Good Old Joel's. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, always feel free to reach out. I believe our DMs are open. Yep. And if not, send us a tweet. Shoot us a text if you want to be on the show. Absolutely. We want your opinion. We want you to come on the podcast. Let's have a good time. Joel on for episode 57. Until next week, until episode 58. And until overreaction from the NFL draft stops, put in the books.